We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Pretty good, man. How are you? How was your uh, trip back from the big city? Yeah, I get to give you the ironic long time no see. That's a classic dad move. I saw you on Saturday. Yeah, so. it, it was pretty good. We uh, we took a car together, and it was playing. The the radio had the song from the Ghanaian pallbearers meme in it. That's which right. I was very excited. About. Wait, did it really? Yeah. It oh, did. sorry. Did I have <laughs> no, to wait no, to be introduced? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Lord, Tyson, we've already guests. given away one of our guests. I, know. I was so excited. I hadn't even heard that. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, I it's the second time I've heard it in real life. I also heard it in a pizzeria once, like at the very depths of the uh, the pandemic, and was kind of like I wanted to see it as like a ray of hope or whatever. But mostly, I was like, oh, it's the song from the you know the dance. The treats you get when you're the earliest to leave the party. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Our our guest this week is Lauren Tyson. She's gonna take us through a quick. Haters got to the NHL playoffs. Haters get it. And then uh, our other guests, we have two guests. Uh, our other guest, the lustrous Albert Bernico. Hi, Albert. Hey, hey. Oh, there's that enthusiasm. We always love our new <laughs> guest. Albert's going to take us through another haters guide to the NBA playoffs. You get a double haters game. I would have bet everything I have on you singing it twice. I'm yeah. so happy to have been right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we want to talk about those both really quick, but I did want to ask you guys, do you want to talk about uh, Tony La Russa approving of his own player getting beaned first? Oh, man. Yeah, because then Roth has a specialty, and he's not just like starting off very grumpy with the, with the yeah. NHL. Yeah, before, I want to hear your thoughts on it anyway before you blog it. Yeah, before we piss you off with Hucky Roth, why don't you give us a quick breakdown of exactly how Tony La Russa, professional old person, uh, sold out his own team just this week, uh, thanks to a, a beanie from the Minnesota Twins. It's the, it's the dumbest possible scenario. I love the way that it worked out uh, because it's, you know, if you're going to have a conversation about unwritten rules in baseball in 2021, like, it's obviously going to be, like, super stilted and shitty and familiar in, like, kind yeah, of, like... Yeah, it's, it's tired. Yeah, I mean, it's total deja. I mean, that's the whole point of it is that it never changes and it never moves. But in this case, it's because... Um, Basically, like, it was the closest thing to, like, a kaiju battle that you could get in a baseball game. Like, at the end of a blowout, Williams Astadio, who's a catcher, threw a 48-mile-an-hour pitch to Yermin Mercedes, who was a catcher before um, he was moved to DH because he is not a good defensive player. And in an 11-run game on a 3-0 count, Mercedes hit a home run off of it. So there's, like, a combined—Ray added it up, like, 470 pounds of dude at the least <laughs> significant moment in a baseball game. And after the game, Larusa said that it was bad that his players swung three nothing on a uh, on in, in a blowout. Uh, he was a little mad about it. The Twins hit Mercedes in the next game, uh, which was stupid um, because they were only down by two runs and probably should have been trying to win instead of. Uh, and to be to clear, this is all for disrespecting a game when a catcher is on the mound throwing, throwing under fifty 40, miles yeah, an hour. Right, like throwing. A, <laughs> At exactly the same speed that I threw uh, when I threw my last Little League pitch as a seventh grader. and the, the, But what was incredible about it was that, like, after so after Mercedes was hit, they roll out uh, La Russa, and he's looking just embalmed. I mean, not well by any stretch. <laughs> and he's like, I don't have a problem with how they handle it. You know, it's one of these things with baseball. Like, and... So that's really where we left it at this point. Like the players on his own team are like, what are the unwritten rules in an 11 run game with your team's backup catcher pitching? Like, so his own dugout has clearly kind of tuned him out. And he's at this point, like, you know, there's two unwritten rules you go to follow, right? Like one of them is you always have your players back. And then the other one is 
sometimes you have to hit a guy for doing stuff. And he opted for the second, which I think was very bold. Uh, but also, like, I can't imagine that anyone in that dugout's going to listen to him again. Like, maybe they weren't listening to him before. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I they think were pretty openly. Like, who was it on Twitter that um, I think it was Lance openly, Lynn, so, wasn't he? Yeah. No, was it Lance Lynn? Well, he said, uh, "What are the rules in an eleven-run game with a pitcher catching?" That was Lance Lynn. I, that was I think Tim Anderson. Well, Anderson was like has already. He replied to a. Uh, to a like some sort of posting on Instagram about like the unwritten rules where he replied to your mean Mercedes and was like, we love you, man. Keep doing your thing. And your mean mm-hmm. Mercedes like responded with a bunch of like sandwich emojis or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, there's two things. One, I think the fact that La Russa was defending the unwritten rules for the other team is what give it that nice, like a nice little twist. Like it freshens it up a little bit. And then also Bernico, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a theory now. I just thought of right now, so it has to be correct. Lay it on me. Which is that I think I think the uh, the running up the score thing in baseball, where it's like you don't really run up the score if it's a blowout. Uh, I think it's because everybody just wants to go the fuck home. They don't want the game to go any longer than it does. So if you extend it with the home run, everyone's like, ah, oh, great. It's gonna be another ten minutes before I can have my yeah, scotch. Yeah, that's what. So that was a point that Lynn made too. Is about like if you want it to get over with faster, then put a pitcher out there. Right. <laughs> but the idea of like that it's somehow better to watch your mean Mercedes work a walk in an 11 run game <laughs> than to hit a home run is like, I mean, those shouldn't be your two options. But if they are your two options, at least the home run, it's like he moves around the bases and then the next guy gets to hit. Like it's, you know, it gives you some uh, a little more visual contrast. I mean, I s- well, also someone. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I sort of broadly get there being a norm around like. In an eleven run game, whoever's out there pitching is is just eating shit. Like their job is just to sort of plow through the yeah. rest of the shit and get to the end. And I get there yes. I get there being a sort of norm that's like, all right, don't make this any more miserable for this guy than it has to be because like that's just making the game longer for everybody. And like someday it might be you out there. Uh it's the Throwing forty eight, right. bringing that Dave Roth here. Right. It's <laughs> the, the major league mound. It's the idea that like yeah that you inf- that you enforce this norm by like the somehow more civil and normal thing of throwing a baseball at a guy's ass uh, is where it kind of breaks <laughs> down for me. Yeah, yeah, because it defeats the purpose of ending the game quickly when you do that. The uh, the other thing is that someone brought it up. I, many people brought it up, but you know. The players have financial incentives to keep trying because they have they have bonuses that are tied to their statistical performance. So, you know, if I have a chance to hit a fucking forty eight mile an hour meatball and you know and work my way towards a two million dollar you know incentive bonus for reaching X amount of home runs, you can't fuck me over by telling me to not do that. Yeah. Like, like you coaches, like they have to give a shit about this. Like NFL coaches and some and, and coaches in other sports know this and like they do try their best at times when when it's when it's you know when it's not going to you know destroy their chances of winning the game or one way or the other they do their best to sort of accommodate players that they know are in need of hitting a certain milestone because they're just they're doing right by them it's just Didn't an the, easy thing to do the saints do that last year like forcing the ball to emmanuel sanders to get him five hundred thousand dollars yeah i think they i think they did that I which mean, is I, cool I, like that's whatever it's not your money and like it shows respect for the player all right so now this is where uh roth and albert uh go conspicuously silent because we got to talk about the nhl playoffs lauren tyson you ready oh yeah excuse me oh, yeah. i am ready a, to a tremendous hockey enthusiast questions. 
I could <laughs> I could probably name at least like eight or nine teams in the NHL. Yeah, you got All right, the Nor- Nordiques, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Albert, Colorado I want you to Snowfall. name. I want you to name eight or nine NHL teams right now, sight unseen. All right, so there's like the Whalers. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Take it seriously. There's like, no joke mode. There's like the fish fillet. Uh, ah, you're in uh, joke mode. You you don't you don't have the guts to actually try no, and do it. I'm gonna come on the distraction. I, and make I jokes, honestly like could not. Well not come back. Yeah, I, I can name all the teams in the like the like northeast megalopolis, and that's probably about it. All right, uh, Lauren Tyson. So I have the uh, I have the bracket in front of me, and as it stands now, we're in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the Washington Capitals, who are really the only team I pay attention to, apart from the Minnesota Wild, they're tied one one with the Bruins. But walk us through these brackets. Uh, I don't really care which conference you start with and who sh- who we should be rooting for and who, of course, is despicable and who we do not really want to see advance. Okay. So to start out, like the conference thing is kind of a misnomer this year because all the teams were in four different divisions and they were completely separated. Oh, right. Uh, like, like, like the bubble was, right? Yeah. And they're still doing that for the first two rounds. So it's like basically the champion of each division is going to meet a different team for the first time in like the equivalent to the conference finals. Um, and it is, I guess, kind of roughly east versus west, but like the Canadian division, you know, spanning the entirety of, uh, you know, Western Canada to Eastern Canada kind of. Uh, I like that they just call it little. north in one of these cases. <laughs> yeah. Well, just in general. Lauren, will that set up uh, make for a more interesting conference finals if they're not familiar with each other from the bulk of the regular season? Yeah, I think so, because you have a lot of familiarity in these first uh, few series, like the Lightning and the Panthers in particular. There's a lot of chippiness there. I think with uh, Vegas in the wild, you were seeing some of that last night. So, yeah, you have teams that are super, super familiar who have played each other like seven or eight times so far this year. Um, And that'll be the case for the first two rounds. And then, yeah, you're going to face a team that you probably in some cases haven't seen for like over 12 months. Um, Wow minimum unless you caught them in the bubble so yeah it's going to be like a kind of old school like al versus nl world series vibe uh in some of these games what but my question is would that make the play will that make the gameplay clunkier when they're unfamiliar with each other or will it make it fresher uh i think fresher just because i think all of the storylines by the time we get to each division winner uh will be sort of played out and it'll be kind of nice to yeah, it'll be nice to have something a little bit fresher and to see matchups that we haven't seen in a really long time. I don't think it'll make play worse. I think it, yeah, could just be uh, more surprising. Okay, good. Now, which of these teams suck and should go to hell? Uh, suck in terms of talent or suck in terms of, like, I don't like them? No, general, like the Brad Marchand kind of sucking. Yeah, so you got, uh, I think all of the sort of ill will is directed towards the Capitals Bruin series because you have Tom Wilson who has become just like a tremendous villain. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, people like, I think he's just like really gone above and beyond pissing people off with what he did to a couple of the Rangers players uh, towards the end of the season. And so it's Wilson against Marshand in that round. And I think uh, Ray Ratto wrote a really good thing about it that everyone's, uh, everyone's anger is really directed uh, all in that direction. Oh, who's worse between Wilson and Marshawn? Then because uh, like so Marshawn Wilson- did a thing on uh, at game one. Uh, I want to be cynical about this, but I'm not really. Like where a young Caps uh, fan, she got hit with a puck during warmups, and he got caught on camera, like making sure that she got like an autograph stick from him. Oh, um, and there's a lot of jokes to be made there, obviously. But uh, and then he brained her with that stick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. 
so yeah, I think given like recent history, Tom Olson is like much more of a heel and much more of a villain, which like I have to say makes him more interesting to me. Um, but I know a lot of people don't agree. I know there are a lot of people who want to see him kicked out of the NHL entirely. What if he well, tactically released another one of those foam roller videos that um, everybody in Slack was really horny about? Do you think that would be a good or a bad decision? Those are really good, but then uh, he got suspended like two days later, or at least he had like a really dirty play like after that came out. So I, I don't know if they're connected or not. If he like is just... Uh, <laughs> so he gets himself horned up to like go commit a crime during a <laughs> hockey game? Yeah, he just like can't have anyone liking him. I admire the Wilson for being so dirty playing the Rangers that he prompted the Rangers to issue a statement that was clearly written by James Dolan. Oh like, yeah, it was good. <laughs> like, like it was somehow in like a like Long Island accent font that let you know <laughs> yeah. where it's coming from. Just like I know who wrote that shit. Like, oh, Tom Wilson belongs in jail. He disrespected Absolutely not only the game of hockey. Unacceptable. Yes. I'm writing a song about him as we speak. <laughs> by the way, JD in the dirty shot. <laughs> Uh, who who's worthy in this bracket? Then do you like the Islanders? Because Islanders Bruins is the other top of the bracket. Yeah, the teams I'm going to stand for here are Vegas Golden Knights, my beloved New York Islanders. And now they're playing Minnesota. Boo! And the island. Okay. <laughs> and go whoever ahead. comes out of Canada, I'll end up rooting for. It's it's interesting that we have a Canadian team guaranteed to make the final four because of the way it's set up, and it'll most likely be the Leafs or the Oilers. That se- those series haven't even started yet because of the Canucks COVID outbreak kind of shifting that whole schedule. Uh, so there's not much you can say about them yet. But uh, the Leafs in particular, I mean, they're a great team. But I just don't trust the Leafs to do anything in the postseason. Like, hasn't it been forever since the... I, I think it's supposed to be Leaves, by the way. But are, like, why... Um, it had a lot of good regular happen? seasons. They just kept uh, meeting the Bruins in the first round okay. of the playoffs and not being able to get past them. But the Bruins are on the other side of the bracket now, so... Uh, is Austin Matthews still good? Oh, yeah. He's like, um, I mean, Connor McDavid is probably the MVP, but like Austin Matthews is right up there. And I love Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is one of my favorite players in hockey, and he is uh, also fantastic. The Leafs have like a really just like good setup where their core is all very talented and locked in for a really long time. And even the money that's going to, that they like kind of has to come off the books in the next couple of years, it's not like especially good players. Like they can probably upgrade at goalie in the summer. Uh, so yeah, they like don't even need to win this year necessarily because they have a really wide open window. But obviously, I'm sure they would like to. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's been nine thousand years since they've won a damn thing. So it's like now, it like people I know, I know Toronto fans are basically like Knicks fans of hockey, right? Where it's like, oh, it has to like just yeah, it's any, been over fifty years now. Yeah, so any scintilla of like promise is like this is. This is happening. It's going to happen. And then they fuck up and they're like, oh, yeah. Uh, what about, okay, so then give me the, the teams that are despicable on all the, all the other three mini brackets. Because you gave me the, uh, the Caps and the Bruins who have heels of their own. But then we got the Avalanche, we got the Blues, we got, uh, we got the Hurricanes, we have the defending champion, uh, Lightning, who I don't want to see them win another title. That's boring and shitty. Yeah, Lightning Panthers is a really interesting series where you almost have to feel bad for Florida because Tampa Bay just got Nikita Kucherov, their best player, back. So Tampa's the three seed, but they looked probably even better than they were when they won the cup because they have both a healthy Kucherov and a healthy Steven Stamkos. So they're just like a machine. They won their first two games against Florida. Uh, that's just really tough luck for the couple of uh, Panthers fans out there. Ooh, sliding that in there. Very nice. 
All right, that's too easy a joke. We also, we have the Predators. Should I, uh, should I still find the Predators somewhat adorable? Uh, or is that, uh, I think that the thing about the Preds, I mean, I guess like now that fans are coming back, maybe if they make a run, I mean, they won't make a run because they're overmatched against the Hurricanes. But um, I think the, like such a big part of the appeal for Nashville was that they had those crowds and they had those atmospheres. Um, and they just like, you know, obviously with COVID and everything, that kind of stripped that away. They lost P.K. Subban and some of their other top players. They're very much like a goaltending led team right now. So, Ew. yeah, they're not going to be playing like thrilling games if they're if they're going deep. I don't think it's a shame that they can't play in front of crowds because I know in like you can go to like Kid Rock's place in Nashville and they'll. Be I think they have some fans now in Nashville. But right. it's, I don't think it's a hundred percent now. Okay. Um, I know Pittsburgh was at fifty percent last night. That might be the highest yeah. anywhere. If you can go I watch mean, some guy sing a song about his Yeti cooler with like 5,000 <laughs> other people, you should be able to go to a hockey game and yell. I mean, it's it's nice now to see fans of the game. Like I watched, this will be dated by now, but I watched uh, the Wizards play Boston last night in the NBA playoffs, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. Um, but like they had like 4,000 fans in attendance at, at, the, at the TD Garden and it was nice to hear like an actual crowd. Like you, you could tell moments where like the yeah. crowd got up, and they're Boston fans, so they're disgusting. But like it was just nice to like hear actual people, and I, I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't get that mid-COVID sort of, uh, you know, like the haunted outrage. vibe of a, yeah, yeah, where you're like, oh, this is so fucked up. There are people inside, and they're not wearing masks. It's like now that yeah, the baseball service. playoffs last year were like that where you just kind of like this doesn't seem worth it at all everything had right. that like first act of a zombie movie feeling yeah or like you know like the cowboys having thirty thousand people in the stadium in like the middle of a spike you know like like i i feel like that has sort of i'm, I'm sort of off that now but it's you know it's probably because yeah, the i the biggest now- crowd in particular last night was really fantastic because they came i mean they were they scored their first goal the entire series at midway through game two and they ended up winning it three to one all right, so then who's winning the Stanley Cup, Lauren? It's I think it comes down to whoever wins the second round series between Vegas and the Avalanche. Um, both these teams look absolutely fantastic. It's like pick one. They have to meet Vegas. You must pick one. Oh, Vegas. I was going to say, Lauren, that. you could say the fans will be. I'm the not going to pick the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. As much I'll as root. I like Ryan I'll root. For, I'll root for a Canadian team. So long as like the Wild and the Capitals have to be eliminated, but I would root for a Canadian team to break the nine thousand year cycle because I don't. I I have to exaggerate because I don't know the exact number of how long it's been since a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. I think it was the uh, Canadians. And not right? in my lifetime. It was ninety four in Montreal. Wow. Yes, that's crazy. I remember. I remember. Was Patrick Waugh the goaltender? Yes. Yes, I do remember that. I watched that that Stanley Cup, so I'm very, very proud of myself. All right, let's take a break and come back and talk about basketball. We're back. All right, we talked about hockey. Now it's time to get into a hater's guide to the NBA playoffs. You want me to sing Woo! it again, Roth? I-, I think a third time singing it would be nice for the listeners and for us. We could do a, a slow acoustic gritty one, like in a movie trailer, like, Hate is God. Hate is God. To the storyteller's version. Like a stained version. It's been a while. That guy is completely out of his mind now. That's like, yeah. Terrific. I, I, still, uh, about him. I still listen to Patience by Guns N' Roses from time to time. And once in a while, 
I don't do this, but I really want. I have the. I have to fight back the urge to go up to my wife, like from behind her back, and whisper patience in her <laughs> ear, just just to like freak her and creep her out. But I, I have not done that. But I would get a mug in my face if I ever did it. Yeah, so. it's good to have some of that. That's part of uh, you know growing up and into a, a domestic situation. Is realizing what happens. Like, say you dab on your life partner. Like, you're going to be disciplined for that. You know, like, you have to know that. So, Albert, we're in the middle of the play-in tournament right now, and the NBA bracket basically looks like a circuit board for a computer that I can't Wait, I had a very important question, though, that we lost in the Guns N' Roses talk. Yes, Um, No, 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 because it's I don't really pay attention to the NBA that closely because of how much I love hockey. But, like, who are the Pistons playing, Albert? And are they going to win it all? <laughs> they got the Whalers. Who are the first Pistons round. playing? Uh, <laughs> the Pistons are on vacation. Do they not know that? Are they in the? Are they in the playing games? The Pistons are in the toilet, and there they wow. shall remain. Aww, also, they, a big reason why I don't really follow basketball anymore is that the Pistons have just been miserable for a decade now. I mean, they're, wow. they're working on something there, though. They've get they're getting all the. I three tells me that, that they have some young guys who are interesting, but I, I think it's I don't know. fairly straightforward to say that they were like the second worst team in the NBA this year. I mean, by record, they absolutely were. Um, only the Rockets were worse, and the Rockets were like a nuclear slag Trying heap. to be bad. Like just the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> yeah, the, the Rockets were, were an engineered failure. It was like it was like a process with no process. So right. it was like... Yeah. I actually have more genuine questions about the Pistons now, but I will let us talk about good teams. <laughs> I think it's no, good no, that no, we don't... start with the Rockets and the Pistons, though. I was going to ask why they extended Dwayne Casey. Even though, like, they've had so much trouble. I mean, I think Dwayne Casey is a good coach. Um, I think he was a good coach in Toronto, and I think he's a good coach. Um, it's hard to do a whole lot with the garbage team they have. They have a garbage team. There's not really no way around it. Which I think is, like, to a certain extent by design. Like, it's like yeah. that tank year where, like, you're laying in all these dudes that are eventually going to be the second and third best players maybe right. on the next playoff team that you have. But right now, those are the players that are your best players. Yeah, I guess they kind of went from being like a miserable eight seed to a miserable last place team. Yeah, and like, they had a worse record than the Thunder, Albert? Yes. Ooh, Did they? Yeah, yeah, they had the second worst record in the NBA, or at least the second fewest wins. I don't know if everybody ended up playing the same number of games because of oh, various yeah, COVID true. things. But um, yeah, I mean, they're in, that, they're in that stage now where the job of the players they have is to help them get the guy who will eventually be the best player on the team. And they can only do that by being really bad. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's where they're at. I mean, they unloaded Blake Griffin this year and that was sort of their big to do item. Uh, so I guess by that standard, this season was a success, like give or take their lottery odds. All right. So then let's talk about the slightly less uh, worse teams that are in the playoffs and not, uh, toiling around the lottery. And this is playoff bracket. Like I said, we, we have the playing tournament going on right now, and it'll be somewhat resolved by the time we uh, by the time this posts. But uh, the Western Conference does not quite look like the Western Conference bracket that you've been used to over the past not couple at years. Not at all. Utah's the, yeah, Utah's the one seed, and Phoenix is the two seed. Albert, do they deserve those high seeds? Are they, are they really worthy <clears throat> of being favorites, these teams, or are they frauds? <laughs> sort of both. I guess. Uh, <laughs> what? They, That's no answer. They deserve no, the no, top let, seeds. Let them let go. They deserve the top seeds in the sense that the Jazz were one of the very few actually good teams in the NBA that didn't just sort of selectively unplug their good players for big chunks of the season. Um, okay. 
and the Suns as well. Like they, they, they went for it all year. All year they were going for it. And by that standard, yeah, they deserve the top seed. But it's also hard to take them seriously as the teams with the best shot of making the finals out of the West. I, I, don't, I don't really buy either of them in that role. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they could have done that all season long and still wind up with the fucking Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. Right, right. (laughs) Basically like LeBron and Anthony Davis and be like, well, that was smart what we did. feels great. (laughs) Uh, Well, then to that end, before I ask you about like the the best, you know, the most likable and hateable teams on that side of the bracket, you know, because of how late the bubble season ended, and I thought the bubble season was fantastic. Like I really loved watching it. But it ended in October – and so, like you said, when they started off this season, they reduced it to 72 games. That's still a heavy load, though. And so load management was a big deal. And so, like, you know, guys like LeBron, they did not play for very long stretches. And so we have this sort of haphazard bracket where, like you said, Utah and Phoenix are essentially the one and two seeds because they bothered to, like, play every game as hard as they could all season long. Does that any in any way cast a pall of illegitimacy over this playoffs or will you feel like everything is legitimate at when it all works out in June because I felt like the bubble playoffs I felt like the Lakers were legit I I wasn't gonna put an asterisk by them but is this season in some ways more tainted than that one yeah I think it definitely is um for me the whole thing has sort of had a shadow over it uh cast by the NBA pretending from the beginning of the season that somehow things were back to normal like they they got all the they got so much good press uh during the bubble season for their for what everybody saw as them being a lot more cautious and responsible than for example major league baseball or the nfl um they had i think they bought up a lot of goodwill that way and then they just kind of lit it all on fire when they started this season um you know smaller crowds in the arenas but still basically trying to pretend that the pandemic didn't really exist anymore um and so, yeah, this season is a lot more asterisky to me than even the bubble season. Um, and then you add in the number of uh, really good players who, yeah, were just kind of openly part-timers this year. And there's, there are probably good reasons for that. You know, the guys who played in the bubble last year got a much shorter vacation than everybody else. Um, and as you said, load management was a big issue. Um, so as to the question of whether the whether the – the playoff bracket seems legitimate. Uh, I don't think it does not seem legitimate, but not only because the Utah jazz and the Phoenix suns are at the top of the West, it's because the whole season hasn't seemed legitimate. Yeah. It just felt off. It's funny that I think that's an accurate description of how the NBA tried to manage bringing everything back. And it's like, it's very similar to what major league baseball is doing now. It's just that like baseball is doing it at a time when things are actually getting better. Right. You know, that like so slowly opening things up and like setting some threshold. Also being crossing outdoors it. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, that's huge. But there's also that feeling of like they're trying to create like a narrative, right? Which is that like as our season goes on, things are getting better. And like you link those two things in your mind and it makes you feel good. Whereas like the NBA tried to do that at a time which was like basically the beginning of the second spike in cases. Right. And like pretending that like things are getting better and you're like whatever, setting some, you know, benchmark and then passing it. It's like when you look outside and you see how the rest of the world is like it felt this whole season's felt really like stilted and fake to me yes. in a way that like even the bubble season didn't Absolutely. like and I don't know why that is, but I've been way less tuned into it than I was uh, to the bubble year two. Oh, I'm looking at the uh, 
I'm looking at the list and I'm, I'm trying to sort out which teams are in the playoff field this year that were not in the bubble at all. Uh, well, I want to say a year ago, but it was barely a year ago. Yeah. So um, you got teams like, uh, we're going to talk about the Knicks in a second. So we have the Knicks, uh, we have uh, the Phoenix Suns, right? No. No, they were in the bubble. They, no, the, were, they were in the bubble. They were in the bubble. They were the, and they played great yeah. in the bubble. They were the hilarious like, team that won every one of its bubbles games and still did not make the playoffs, which raises the yeah. question of why the fuck did you invite them in the first place? Right. Just to, I think they wanted to let everybody get a taste of that campaign goodness. That's right. He was out there. It was like Cameron Payne basically played like Jason Tatum for eight games. <laughs> okay, so we have we have the Warriors and we have the Knicks and we have the Hawks. Yeah. Are any of those teams, Albert, an advantage because they did not play in the bubble? Uh I guess I don't really see it that way. Um, you know, there's some kind of juju working on behalf of the Knicks this season. And if anybody wants to chalk it up to the fact that they got an extra long vacation, I guess I won't argue too hard against that. Um, but I actually, you know, now that I think about it, there may be something to the idea that um, the Tibbs way of like grinding his starters into the dirt, making them play 38 minutes a night, uh, maybe a little bit sort of optimized for a season where a lot of the best teams are, have been exhausted throughout. Yeah, that's actually interesting, like saving a few months of wear and tear, even like eight games of just like having to play every fucking minute in a 13 point loss or whatever it would right. have been for them last year is like pretty useful, I guess, because it seems like they in the same way that the Heat were last year, that like their superpower, it's the developing stat that we're working on in the basketball pervert stat channel is uh, <laughs> running real hard. Yeah, but like that's their thing. They they just are effort. Yeah, it's kind of admirable in its way. Uh, you know, I don't want to overdo it. I'm not a Knicks fan. No, and, to that uh, end, to that end, though, Albert, should I be rooting for the Knicks to prevail in the East? Yes, over you should. The likes, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, I Why? think the Knicks are the people's team this year. Uh, I like they're the best story in the playoffs in either conference. Like they they have sucked for an incredibly long time, and they didn't, you know, to whatever extent this sort of thing matters to you. They didn't do the Knicks thing of like, you know. Uh, buying up a handful of other teams guys who were just about to crest and fall apart uh and uh so yeah it's like a young fun team that's you know playing defense and running around and you know uh, rj barrett kicks ass and like they're great they're likable i i think they're sort of the people's team this year yeah I think people like the general public getting to see more of whatever Julius Randle has become is also tight because yeah. he is such a bizarre and good player now. But like we, we were talking about this, that like his number one move being like putting the ball on the floor, jumping and then finding someone yes. to pass to. Like he might have identified that person before he jumped, whatever it is. That was like it's one of the cardinal rules that I remember learning as a young basketball player is like, do not leave your feet unless you know what you're doing. And Julius Randle is just personally disproving that every night. I love it. Yeah, there's like a fun, a fun genre of player uh, that like Boogie Cousins w could have been a really great example of and, yeah. and was at his best of the sort of, yeah, like the bull in the china shop, the guy who just makes chaos on every possession and has the like kinesthesia and brilliance to like bring something good out of it, uh, just kind of bashing around and knocking people around and shit. And like, that's Julius Randle. And it's great. I love it. Ooh, kinesthesia. Good word. I, love I ask that. another genuine basketball question. Yeah. Yes. Before we, uh, 
the it's Milwaukee always- Bucks, are they still fraudulent? Or is this could be possibly the year they get over the hump? I mean, I still regard the Bucks as frauds. Anybody should correct me if I'm way off base here. I still regard them as frauds, but maybe the bloom has come off of them just enough. They're the three seed this year instead of the one seed. That uh that like farting out in the second round won't seem fraudulent. And so advancing to the conference finals or making it to the finals would actually seem like a really nice, pleasant surprise. I don't I don't take I can't take them seriously until they actually like look like their regular season selves for at least four straight games in a playoff series. What about the top two seeds uh, in the East, Bernico? Do you uh, have, has your, uh, mm, has your antipathy toward James Harden (laughs) softened because he got out of Houston and he's playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving now. And then same thing with the Sixers, because I think we're far enough away from trust the process where, you know, there are still Stam Hickey stands out there who are fucking annoying and all that shit, but essentially it's, it's, it's a whole, it, it just, it doesn't have that identity now. It's just Joel Embiid kicking ass and Ben Simmons being the best defensive player, you know, usually on the court whenever yeah. he's on there. Are either of those teams likable enough uh, for me to cheer for them over someone like the Knicks or the Bucks, who I enjoy watching, even though you think they're fraudulent? So I think the Sixers and the Nets in their own way are each actually a lot of fun this year. Uh you know, who knows what the Nets will be. They're kind of the, the perfect case study of a team that uh, selectively withheld its best players because they could get away with it. Uh, you know, they had, they had three, you know, uh, weapons of mass destruction on the roster, and they only really need two of them at any given time and sometimes only one. Uh, but, you know, there's reason to think that they may have three in the playoffs, and that's just very exciting. You know, James Harden is playing, you know, probably the coolest basketball since he was with the Thunder. In his career, um, and yeah, that's cool. If he's more complimentary than, uh, you know, than just sort of like the guy who dribbles for thirty seconds yeah. and then gets fouled trying to shoot a three. Yeah, and 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 the stuff that I think he never got quite enough credit for, at least outside of like, you know, Zach Lowe uh, when he was with the Thunder, like his just incredible uh, facility for like lob passes. He's like the best lob thrower ever. Uh, all that stuff, you know. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a lot more fun when it doesn't have 22 seconds of dribbling before it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So then, who is the most despicable team in the East outside of Boston? That's just a given. Yeah. And then in the West too. Uh. So, having said all of that, say the, do the Wizards say the Wizards? Well, yes. Okay. The, <laughs> so the Wizards, are, the Wizards are fucking disgusting. They got destroyed <laughs> last night by the by the Celtics. Uh, and as a Wizards fan, I have to say I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, you're God. terrible. Uh, this has been like a running joke with us that like everybody has enjoyed the Russell Westbrook sort of like mini renaissance, except for the actual Wizards fans on staff. Right. We're like, I hope he gets very sick. <laughs> like, just, like, can't yeah. take it. You're like, I cannot begin to explain the weird alchemy here of being somebody who has loved Wes- Russell Westbrook for his entire career and also somebody who has rooted for the Wizards my whole life. And now they're together and I still love them both. And yet when they get destroyed, Destroyed, I sit back and I'm like, that was justice. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't, it doesn't make any sense, any more sense to me than it does to like Barry. Uh, but there it is. Um, yeah, Russ last night was shooting so poorly. It was like sort of like December Russell Westbrook, which was, uh, you know, it was, I, I can only personally say that like I'm still smarting from his MVP season when everyone was bitching that yes. he didn't deserve to like be the MVP. 
And I'm like, fuck off. He's a fun player who plays his ass off yeah. the way Iverson plays his ass off. So I, I've always had that soft spot for him. So I don't like it when he plays poorly enough to justify haters hating him. I still feel that way, even though maybe I should let that go after a few years. No, you know, I'm always going to be – I will always – uh, be defensive of Russ against certain lines of attack, but also it can be really miserable to watch him when he is just grinding the texture off the ball every possession um, <laughs> and kind of refusing to admit that there might be any better way for a team to go about getting buckets than by him just dominating the ball constantly. Yeah, I had basically avoided them for most of the year i mean not consciously whatever it's i just like watched the tnt games like i said i was a little more checked out this year than usual but watching them yesterday it was like everything that like you and chris (laughs) and dave have said in slack all year long was i was just like oh wow yeah i see it i see it like but you know it's weird to be like whatever the 15th time that someone's like daniel gafford's got a little something but like westbrook (laughs) is whatever like i don't need to be putting that in there you already know what daniel gafford has right all right take away your hometown biases though uh or (laughs) anti-biases who is who do you not want to come out of the east besides boston and i guess the pacers i don't want the pacers to win i mean there there are a lot of fun heels in the east bracket i think uh yes the sixers and nets are both actually really fun heels uh because they know they're really good um and in their own way yeah they're they're sort of fun to sports hate um because because they they're they're up to it they're up to the task uh you know i think it's i think in a similar way although they've they're the sixth seed so it takes a little bit of the fun out of it but i think the heat when they're really rolling are fun to hate um yeah, they're annoying. Yeah, like yeah, but they were they were awesome to watch in the bubble. Oh they yeah, were, but that's part of what makes them good heels is that they're like, uh, they're terrific. They're gen- they're absolutely terrific, and they're terrific in a way that is really fucking annoying to the teams they're playing against. Yeah, because you're getting outworked. It's like the way that when the when the Royals beat the Mets in the World Series, it was the same feeling that I had, where I was just like, they never fucking make a mistake. And obviously, like I had a I, that's motivated reasoning. That's not right. like good scouting. It's I was like, why won't you do something to help my dumb team that's trying to lose this game? But the Heat was the same thing. They just like they worked like it seemed like they were just playing fifty percent harder than everybody else. And then you just get dusted by like Duncan Robinson right. and Tyler Hero, and you feel like <laughs> shit. Like it's but that's you know whatever. There's there is some There's no shame to in that. losing to Duncan Robinson. No, he's got an excellent degree. Uh, where where did he go to school, Lauren? I can't. Williams. Remember. Uh Williams College. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, on pace for the fewest offensive rebounds, like minimum two thousand minutes in NBA history. Wow, it reminds me Gotta of my playing career. That is analytically <laughs> optimized basketball, Duncan, and I'm proud of you. Uh, what about in the West? Is there a team that I should be rooting against in the West? Uh, you know, it would, you know, barring him like emitting visible light for three rounds it actually would be kind of a bummer i think to me if the if the mavericks and luca advance all that far just because they're shit to watch uh yeah bad vibes the vibes are bad why uh luca cries too much yeah luca's just sort of a pouty guy uh oh is he a whiner yeah i mean he's competing as hard with the referees as he is with the other team most nights um that's very dukish and uh he's a brilliant player too like absolutely it's weird that a team with him on it is as bad to watch as they are. Yeah. But I totally agree with Albert. Yeah, they're that. just not fun. You know, the the you know, my my team in the West is still the Nuggets. They're a lot less sort of thrilling and lovable with Jamal Murray out, but still like they're 
they're spectacular. They're great. Yeah, Jokic just alone is, is super fun. And watch. Michael Porter Jr., for all whatever his particular takes on the vaccine might turn out to be, uh, is just <laughs> absolutely amazing to watch. Uh, you know, uh, we had uh, Tom in Slack was, was uh, saying that his ceiling is tall Clay Thompson, but I actually think he has uh, like a lot more sort of cool to his game than Clay Thompson because he, he wants to do cool shit with the ball in his hands. And for a guy who's 6'10 and just has absolutely no athletic limitations at all, uh, that makes for a lot of really cool shit. Yeah. Sounds like you're kind of like hinting at a Durant comp, but it's not like ethical to make a Kevin Durant comparison to anybody. Right. It's, it's not fair to it's anyone but Kevin Durant. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't think it's quite accurate either. They, they are their own players even though they you know they have you know somewhat similar physical dimensions and you know and and play in the same area of the court but i don't i don't know it's like uh like two fine wines like the whole point of never making that comp it's why like baseball scouts will never compare any pitcher to pedro martinez like for one thing it's unfair and for another thing it's almost certainly wrong right you know (laughs) all right let's uh let's play some games you guys ready to play some games oh wait wait albert real quick uh who's gonna win the title Ooh, uh, I think it's the Nets. I think the Nets are actually going to stroll. Okay, all right, good. Let's play dead or canceled. Uh, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, Very and good. Albert. Uh, I only have one dead or canceled uh, person for you to identify. Which one of you wants to play? You know what? You know what? We'll do it. You can do it as a team. Yeah, you'll do it as a team. You guys, you, Lauren, you get to answer first, then Albert, and then I will tell you whether or not you're right or wrong. So you have to tell me whether or not this person is dead or canceled. Got it? Mm-hmm. All right, Lauren. Fred Savage, is he dead or canceled? Didn't he just get canceled like an hour ago? Albert, what do you think? Is he dead or canceled? Uh, Fred Savage is definitely canceled. Yes, Fred Savage is indeed canceled. He has not died. And in fact, he's canceled. And yet uh, he will be producing uh, the reboot of The Wonder Years, narrated by Don Cheadle, coming to abc so it's like oh that must be what i just saw yeah so yeah. that that's his reward for being canceled which i don't really approve of i but it's because it's because i watched the under wonder years when i was a kid and instead of being like really misty-eyed about it all i thought about when i watched the show when i was a kid was that kevin arnold was a total dipshit so so wait <laughs> so, you, you saw it at the time and did not find him relatable no i was okay. like I was like, just tell Winnie how you feel, you fucking loser. Like, ask her out. Okay, but did you do that with your with your little kid crushes? Yes, I did, and I got totally rejected. <laughs> See, I did and it not. Sucked, but at least at least I had the balls to like to to say to people how I feel because I never do that now. I never oh. talk about how I'm feeling now to people. Hey, you guys, Kevin Arnold we- lifestyle. Despite not watching the show, I was like, I will circle back on this one in 15 years. Uh, let's remember some guys. You know what? I, I wanted to remember, I should have remembered a hockey guy, but I only have a basketball guy. So we'll have to remember some hockey guys after this. Uh, but, uh, Albert, do you remember Jan Vesely? That's our guy oh, of the week. God. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Hey, you didn't pick a hockey guy, but you picked a guy whose name sounds much more. Yeah. Like I was going to say, like, you know what? Of it, like it's automatically true. been like, oh, I don't know. He was like somewhere in Winnipeg, I guess. There's a, <laughs> there's a perfectly cromulent argument to be made that Jan Vesely is the worst player ever drafted in the NBA lottery. Wow. Ooh, what about Frederick Ooh. Weiss though? I mean, did he ever actually play in the NBA? Maybe that's the qualifier here. <laughs> no. How about Yaroslav Korolev? Ooh. Uh, what we call the Korolev corollary so, here in the... Uh, so, for my purposes, 
the guys who get drafted and then just kind of never make their way to the court are not actually as bad as a guy like Jan who got drafted and actually got kind of plenty of playing time during his rookie contract and was an absolute sinkhole on the court. Uh, so a really, a really weird, bizarre Jan Vesely thing uh, was that he would never actually make contact on a screen, on a ball screen, ever. I watched this guy for like three years, and, and he, would, he would come out to set the ball screen. You know, he gets in the position, feet apart, hands down in the crotch, guarding the dick. And then the, the you know, John Wall would, would uh, dribble, you know, toward him to, to drag the defender around the screen, and he would slip instantly. And then just kind of put his hands up and linger around it, around the, the circle. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't roll. He wouldn't pop. He wouldn't set the screen. He would just move out of the way and then stand there with his hands up. It was like either they were telling him to do it or he was a, a psychopath. Like there's no other option. I kind maybe of feel he, like maybe. no coach has ever told a player to do that. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's not the. That's everything about that you just said is wrong. That's the opposite right. of why somebody would set a screen or do after having set a screen. And then they got. Mar- uh, Marcin Gortat and it was like wait a minute this is the whole opposite thing and the and really what made him so good for the Wizards for all those years was that he was the exact opposite of Jan Vesely he would set a good screen and then actually roll uh Lauren do you want to remember a hockey guy over here it's only fair um yeah you like know, a- this isn't uh let's does anyone else remember Adam Foote Yes, I remember Adam Foot. I was that also thinking sounds of Jer- familiar. I was thinking of Jerome. He's an old Colorado Avalanche guy in the late nineties. The only reason I was thinking of him is because Gabriel Landisclog is is uh, he captain of the Avs. His beautiful nose is like all crooked. And the video I saw where he was talking about it, the guy said it reminded him of Adam Foot. Is that the video you shared where like a dude on the team is talking about how hot his teammates are? That was part of it. Nathan McKinnon uh, definitely has like a real a real crush on him. Speaking of feet, do the Avalanche still have the Yeti footprint? on the side of their jerseys, or did they get rid of that? They used I know what you're talking about. I don't think so. Uh, see, well, that, you know, I mean, that would have gone really well with the memory of Adam Foote if they had kept that. I don't know if he's dead or not, or canceled or either. Fun bag time. Lauren, this is from Matt. Which celebrity hates their fan base the most? I'm thinking maybe Eminem or Robert Pattinson. I don't agree with our Pats, but yeah. Lauren, do you have a sense of which celebrity hates their fan base the most? No, I mean, so Robert Pattinson is beloved by, like, all women and male film geeks, so I don't think that's true at all. Yeah, he's, like, I mean, a legit um, actor now. People really like him. He kicks ass, for actually. His, it's not just Twilight. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, he's yeah. a great actor. I mean, I'd probably hate someone like me who, like, really loves, like, Marshall Mathers and the Eminem show, but, like, literally, like, I despise everything else he's done. That's <laughs> probably pretty hateful, and that's maybe uh, indicative of a lot of his fan base, but... Um, I think it'd be really funny if the answer to this is like Paul McCartney. Like if it's all just an act, and he's <laughs> just, just like agony. become absolutely miserable and just a, a total miser after all of these years of being adored and sort of uh, everyone else like lighting up when he walks into the room. I think you could grow to hate that. Albert, do you have any a very good actor? Albert, do you have any answer to that? Well, I don't know. It's weird to imagine that Eminem would hate his fan base because the most loathsome members of it are exactly like him. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's something that he's working on. Yeah, there, maybe this is like a self-loathing type of deal. Uh, yeah, celebrities who hate their own fan bases. Does Donald Trump count? Yeah, yeah you you can do that. I actually I know the 
I know the literal answer to this, Ooh. but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off and let Roth answer first. I want to hear yours. I don't know, Adam. Oh, wait, what about that's Harrison why he wants Ford? To dominate all <laughs> Ooh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford Harrison would be Ford a good one. Hate yeah. Star Wars fans. That oh, is, yeah, he's yeah. dead now. But Alec, Alec Guinness Gin- too. He fucking hated Star Wars. He did. It's true. And Alec Guinness wrote some letter from the set of Star Wars that I return to every now and then, where it's like. Him writing to a buddy, and he's like, I must soon return to the desert set to read these horrible, <laughs> stupid lines. And it was all just like a totally, like, so dismissive and delightful. He was also, he was me, he was a prick to some kid who was like, oh, I love you, Obi-Wan. He's like, that movie sucked, and you're a piece of shit for liking it. That's exactly how he said it, verbatim, too. Anyway, the correct answer, as far as I'm concerned, and I know this from, like, what I've heard is Ellen DeGeneres. I think it's mm. Ellen DeGeneres who absolutely oh, fucking yeah. despises her audience. Wow! <laughs> like, I, I, I think it, I've heard enough uh, of her backstage behavior to know that she does not, uh, she does not appreciate the people that she is dancing poorly for. Uh, so, who does she like? Uh, I don't know the answer like to that. Wait, let's people? pull up that photo of her yeah. mugging with all the other famous people. That's yeah, that's the list. Loves, oh, yeah. That's the list. She does Go love war it. criminals, so you know there's. The There's only that. person in that photo she's actually friends with is somehow Kevin Spacey or whatever. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh. Albert, this is from Andy. This is a tough one. Which of these is the primary reason for toasting bread? Warmth or texture? My partner insists it's texture, and I shouldn't be so mystified by the fact that it's the first part of the meal she prepares whenever it's her turn to make breakfast. Am I living in a fool's paradise for thinking that toast for thinking toast stays warm for more than 30 seconds? Ooh, that's what is a, more important? Th- this is good. Uh, I would say the best thing about toast is the warmth. But probably more people, probably the, t- the texture gets more appreciation or, or value in general because it lasts longer. You know, yes. you, get, you, get a, you get like toast with your, with your breakfast at like a, uh, you know, greasy spoon type of place. And it's not warm by the time you get it, but it's still great. Uh, Lauren, yeah, do you do you disagree? I think it depends on how old the bread is. Like, if you have uh, like day or two old bread, then you sorry. want to toast it and make it a little better. But if you have like fresh bread, you should not be toasting that, in my opinion. But you can warm it up just a little to get some butter on there. That's so, a good answer. Yeah, it all depends. Is my cop out answer? Roth, you're a food person. Can you pick one? I'm also a, a toast boy. I eat it every single day. Not Ooh. to brag. Yeah, my wow. haters are furious when they find out how much toast. <laughs> Look at I Mr. Eat. Toast here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's um, exactly how I identify myself. I, um, to me, like I think the like the fleetingness of the warmth is definitely like a bigger like that makes it more valuable. But I think that like the texture of it is like, for instance, tonight we are going to make clams for dinner, and I'm going to cook a piece of bread. Not really cook it, but I'm going to put it in the little foreman grill and get the grill marks on it, which is like a little cheat thing you do when you have a tiny shitty New York City kitchen. And then, like, by the time we get around to dunking it in the clam broth, it will not be warm. But the texture of it and the, you know, faint uh, imparted toasty notes of flavor is going to make it the best part of the entire thing that we eat. And, like, so I think the texture is essential. Like, warm bread that is fresh is also incredibly good, even if it's, I mean, especially because it's soft and, and warm and all that. But, uh, but I think then it's for not me, toast. I'm a texture. What's that? It's then not it's toast. Not toast. Like it's, and I agree with Lauren's point that like it's different enough that you shouldn't be messing around with it. It's like uh, that's like something that um, I didn't even realize that I was like a cliche tri-state area rootless cosmopolite elite 
about was like toasting fresh bagels. Like I just, I, I think I always knew that that was wrong. And yet no one ever said to me, like, we don't do that. You know? Yeah, because if you get like a bacon, egg, and cheese, like the heat from the bacon, egg, and cheese provides the warmth, so you don't need to toast it at all. Yeah, it yeah, kind of so steams it. Like in uh, the- To me, toast has always been like something you do if it's like a necessity. Like if it's like the bread is not going to be very good otherwise. It's a necessity for me every damn day. I'm team texture, and I'll tell you why. Because you can make, you can put your bread in the toaster and set the toaster to like half, you know, like like the lightest possible setting, and you'll get hot bread. But you're not going to be happy with that. You need a bit of crunch. So you need to like, you need to get a little bit of brown on there so it has some bite to it. Otherwise, it's not really toast. You got to have the texture there for it to be toast. And in Andy's defense, uh, you know, because I get a lot of questions where it's like, is my wife crazy? And, you know, like, calm down, buddy. But like, <laughs> but I think if you're toasting bread for a meal, you should toast the bread last. You shouldn't toast it first and then let it. Because that just turns into fucking stale bread if you haven't, you know, if you're not eating yeah. it right away. Uh, Wait, one more Kyle thing. Kyle writes in. One more thing. Yes, go ahead. If you are toasting the bread early on in the process, put it in a bowl and put, like, a clean kitchen towel over it. Keeps ooh, it from getting stale. Ooh, that's, huh. that's what I do when I uh, griddle tortillas for fajita night. Yeah. I put a little paper yeah, towel. Same deal. Uh, Kyle writes in. Note. I'm going to direct this one to Roth because it'll make Roth uncomfortable. He says, my four-month-old kid can poop lying down easy peasy. Do you think you'd be able to poop while lying down? (laughs) I don't think I physically could. Roth, could you take a shit while lying down? This is, you're correct in identifying that this makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. In part because as somebody, like a reader pointed out the other day, that every time there's like some sort of like parenting thing on here, like I have to like kind of just come in with like what I think it might be like because (laughs) I'm not doing it. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm kind of guessing at it. Like, I'm sure that kids are really good at pooping lying down. I think that's like kind of the defining thing of that whole first year of uh, being alive is, is is doing that. Could I poop lying down? I think if I put my mind to it, I believe I can do anything. But uh, I think it would be really hard to do at this point. Like, you just sort of, your body learns not to do that um, as you, you grow up and older I can't imagine a scenario when I would have to. I mean, I guess it would have to be like in the hospital or whatever. I I, I was going to say, Roth, I know quite an instance where. where so while we're talking about things that are uncomfortable, would you like to talk about your experience of pooping lying down? Like, well, yeah, because I was in, I was in a coma. Here. I was in a coma, so I have no memory of it. Except when I woke up from the coma, Matt Ufford came to visit me at the hospital, and he was going to visit me, and I was like, "Wait a second, I have to go in this bedpan." So can you wait outside? And he said, yeah, absolutely. No problem. I had to make poor Ufford wait 45 minutes while I shouted. Wow. Anyway, the point is you can poop lying down if you put your mind to it. Also, uh, Kyle, uh, if you raise your legs, because I have had, all my kids have been babies, and when they take a shit lying down, their feet are straight up in the air. So they're essentially, they're replicating the seated position. They just happen to be on their backs when they're doing it. So if you had to keep your legs flat on the bed that might be a bit of a problem i would say well and but if you, you live long if you live long enough then you can't not poop lying down so that's kind of nice yeah. yeah yeah like you're gonna you start off pooping lying down you're gonna end up pooping lying down just like there's no doubt about it you're gonna have a chamber beautiful pot. that's a beautiful note and yes on that note brandon nix is our producer and engineer <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now that's not right on that because that made it sound like brandon is poopy and brandon is a fantastic no. producer and engineer so brandon Nix is our producer and engineer of this fantastic podcast, all poop jokes aside. 
Lisa Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com too. Albert Bernico and Lauren Tyson, thank you for joining us for this double haters guide. Will you come again? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks for having us, guys. All right. Go Sens. Wonderful having you guys. All. Yes, go Sens. They're, they're the favorite. It's so, so clear. <laughs> we all Broth, think it. We'll, Broth, I'll see you next week. We'll say bye. Bye.